0: appreciate them. They had a completely different music set planned for this morning and found out just a few minutes before the service we weren't going to have the computer and so picked all new songs on the fly and got us going. Great time to worship together, but I appreciate that much. So uh, I know to one degree or another, uh, everyone lives with the issue of uh, self-doubts, right? The idea that we're just not good enough, that we won't measure up, uh, that we can't do it, whatever it is. Uh, that inevitably we're going to fail, Uh, except for babies, by the way. Um, Babies and toddlers don't have any self-doubts. And, uh, you know, all those grandparents, which as near as I can tell is all of them, uh, who think their grandbaby is a genius, uh, uh, research actually proves that out. Uh, almost all babies and toddlers are genius, uh, uh, operate at a genius level uh, until about somewhere between a year and 18 months, and then self-doubts start coming in, and uh, self-doubts are the biggest inhibitor uh, to uh, personal growth and, and achievement. And, 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 you know, doubts can have a, <coughs> a negative physical impact on us uh, as well. Uh, according to one article I read this uh, this week, over time it says self-doubt can lead to anxiety and depression, which in turn can lead to serious physical ailments like weight gain and high blood pressure and cho- chronic fatigue and all this kind of stuff. So, so clearly, living with doubts is, is not a good thing for us. And, and they say that most doubts uh, stem from one of two sources. Either it's tied to a past failure or a future fear, especially the fear, again, of of not being good enough. So that's why if if you've failed in something in the past, you will most likely try to avoid doing that thing again, if at all possible, right? Uh, And and as a result of that, uh, you might miss out on something that you would really enjoy or be good at, but it gets neglected because of self-doubts. Or you you won't even try something different because of the fear of not being able to achieve or or do good enough. And and it really is a good thing that babies uh, and toddlers don't operate that way, right? Because otherwise a person would just lay on their back crying until mom and dad brought them whatever they needed for the rest of their life and, you know, that wouldn't be good. Uh, Doubts... uh, They don't come just in in the physical, emotional, intellectual world, right? They also happen in our spiritual realm. And the sermon by request, and I've continued this sermons by request into the fall just uh, because I've been receiving so many good ones, but the sermon by request uh, this time said, I've always wanted to hear a sermon about what to do if you're getting doubts about if you're really saved or not. I think that's uh, a good question. And I think it's something that maybe a lot of people wrestle with. Fortunately, God doesn't want us to have to live with debilitating doubts in our lives, and so uh, He has given us uh, answers to this. So grab your Bibles. we're going to open up to First John chapter five, little, little book, first, second, third, John uh, or uh, just a little bit in front of the book, book of Revelation at the end of your Bible. First John chapter five. Um, which is a verse we're going to actually focus on somewhere down in the middle of the sermon, but I'm going to start here uh, <clears throat> with it. It says this, 1 John chapter 5, starting at verse 11, says this, And the testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has the life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. Father God, we thank you so much for your love, your graciousness, your ever constant presence and care over us. And God, we pray now as we come into this time of of the preaching that your. Holy Spirit would be free to work in hearts and minds. Meet each person here at their point of need, God, with the message they need to hear. And God, may my words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart, be acceptable in your sight. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So my grandma, she taught the two- and three-year-old Sunday school class uh, at, uh, at church. I've, I've mentioned that before. And uh, so uh, she was teaching that class when my mom was uh, two- and three-years-old. She taught that class when I was uh, two- and three-year-old. And she was still teaching that class when oh, a great-grandchild was two- and three-years-old. So she had a lot of experience. Teaching two and three year olds and she did a, a great job with it. Uh, she was not a, she did not believe in babysitting. she taught uh, that class and so we learned uh, Bible songs and and uh, heard all the Bible stories and even had us memorizing verses as near as I can remember, the very first verse I ever memorized, of course in the King James version of the Bible back then in, in those days was ephesians 432 be ye kind one to another, uh, and, and, and so uh, we, we got that down. Um, I don't uh, actually remember it, but my grandma uh, frequently, every year, multiple times, would share the gospel message with those two- and three-year-old classes. So that would have been the first time that I would have heard about my need for salvation, And as I grew older, uh, my parents, uh, they shared that same uh, thing with me a number of times. Uh, We were uh, a go-to-church every Sunday, every Wednesday, every day there was a special event kind of family. And and so uh, I'm sure I heard the gospel multiple times in Sunday school classes, in vacation Bible Schools, special speakers, all that type of thing. But as I've shared before, it was in camp when I was seven years old, that the, that the message really clicked with me. The speaker made it clear that, according to the Bible, a person is not saved by being good enough, which I was fairly thankful for, because even at seven years old, I knew <laughs> I wasn't good enough. He also said, you know, you're not saved just because your parents are Christians, just because you go to church a lot, all this type of thing. He, he said, it's only by personally accepting Jesus Christ will your sins be forgiven and, and you will receive eternal life and get to go to heaven. And, and, and that's what I wanted. And so I went up front and, and, and prayed with this speaker. I don't remember his name. And asking Jesus to forgive my sins and, and to come into my heart was, I remember that was the terminology that was used, come into my heart. And uh, I, I don't remember any verses that he shared in particular, but what I do know is what I did at that moment as a seven-year-old was a fulfillment of Romans 10:13, which says, "For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved." And, and so I, I left that camp feeling great and, and, and knowing that I was going to heaven. But as I grew, uh, you know, a little bit, going through junior high, I, I began, you know, having some doubts. Was I really saved or not? Because the truth is I didn't always feel saved. A- and I also knew that I didn't always behave in the way that I thought a saved person should behave. I, I never heard god speak to me i I didn't see god doing things in my life you know these amazing things in my life like like he did with the people that i heard about in in the bible and so i doubted and and as a result of that i began uh, praying a lot of just in case prayers right And, and maybe you've done this right just in case i wasn't really sincere the first time, just in case I had somehow messed up, just in case I didn't do it right, I, I kept praying and asking God into my heart, you know, again and, and again and again. And yet, I still continued to struggle with doubts as I, as I grew through junior high and high school and into college, and, and um, I, I didn't really feel like I could talk to anybody Uh, about this. I mean, I I did mention it one other time at at Camp Halawasa to one of the speakers, and he gave me some verses to read and and, and patted me on the back and said, go intertubing, you know, and and, uh, um, this type of thing, but uh, somehow I felt like having doubts was a taboo subject, right? Nobody ever told me uh, that but but, I got this feeling that if I expressed any doubts about my Christianity about being saved, well, that would be the same as admitting that i wasn 't even a christian right it 's like grabbing your one way ticket to hell and that 's it you 're all over for you if you if you express doubts that 's that 's just kind of how I, I felt and and, and because I, I thought, well, you know no real Christian would ever have those things, and, and so uh, i 'm thinking maybe the One of the main reasons I felt that way was because in in the church I I grew up in, uh, nobody nobody ever talked about doubts. And, And since nobody ever said anything about it, I was pretty sure then that I was the only person in the entire world who had ever struggled with this. You know, real Christians must not have this problem. That's what I was thinking. So for the most part, I I would just try to stuff those down and and operate as if I didn't have them just pretend that, you know, everything was going well. But now, based on this sermon request, I can say that there's at least one other person who who must uh, have the same struggle as me. And perhaps there's some of you here this morning who have struggled through this, maybe even are right now, or, you know, in periodic times in your life, it seems to, to come and go, these, these doubts about your salvation. And, and so I, I want to say that's what we want to focus on this morning. And, and, and it might not be just doubts about your salvation, right? I mean, we, we can doubt about a lot of things. One person I read this week that I really liked, he put it this way. He said, quote, not only this, but there is nothing Christians cannot doubt. Sometimes we doubt our salvation. Other times we doubt God's love. Many times we even doubt the reliability of Scripture or the existence of God or the identity of Christ. Even John the Baptist, whom Christ called the greatest man ever born once expressed doubt about the very identity of Christ. End quote. Right. So, so doubts can plague us, all kinds of doubts. But, but since this person writing specifically mentioned uh, doubting uh, salvation, that's that's what we're going to focus on. But keep in mind, that, uh, these things will be effective in the broader subject as well. So, for the rest of this morning. Uh, I, I want to look at a few things that I have learned about doubts uh, over the years. And, and there's a number of verses that have really spoken to me in, in this particular area, but one that, that uh, just in particular stands out is found uh, just past 1 John a little bit in the book of Jude, the little book of Jude, uh, verse 22, talking to Christians. And it says this, And have mercy on some Who are doubting? That that was that was a powerful, impactful verse for me. It was significant at first because it established the fact that there was such a thing as Christians who doubted. I mean, it was good. It was good just just to know that, and and, uh, I, I wasn't the only one. And second, apparently, based on this verse it must have been okay to actually talk about those doubts, right? Because otherwise, how would you have identified them, right? Nobody would have ever fingered me as somebody having doubts because I shoved them down inside and just pretended and went on like everything else was okay. But, but apparently, it must be okay to talk about those things. There had to have been an openness about this subject within their fellowship so that they could actually know who the doubters were that you were going to have mercy on. And, and then that's the third thing, the most important thing to me. It says, this is how you treat. This is how we respond to a person who is expressing some doubts. You have mercy on them. You, you don't wag your finger at them and tell them what horrible, useless Christians they are. You don't slap them up beside the head and say, oh, don't say stuff like that, right? Right? And you don't demean them and make them feel small and insignificant for bringing up this subject. We are called to treat those who are struggling with doubts with mercy. And mercy, that's a powerful word, right? It means showing compassion and tenderness. It means... um, Coming alongside uh, this other person to, to render aid with gentleness and, and kindness and empathy. Mercy is, is building up and, and strengthening uh, where they may be weak and, and vulnerable. It, it means standing with them and beside them and walking with them while they struggle, even if you don't ever get to see the end of their struggle. This is just what you're going to do with them at that moment. So mercy is very powerful. If you find yourself plagued with doubts at a certain time, don't be afraid to talk about them. You are not alone. Beyond that, find some brothers and sisters in Christ who who will have mercy and be there to strengthen you along the way. It, It can make all the difference. Now, I also think it's quite helpful to, to understand and recognize that the primary source of doubts is not really you, right? Our, our tendency is to think that we are somehow some terrible Christian because we have these doubts. But in, in many, I think most cases, I believe the source of doubts, especially doubts about our salvation, come from Satan, right? We, we can never forget that we have an enemy, and whatever God is doing, uh, Satan is trying to wreck. So, in, in terms of this whole idea of, uh, about assurance of, of your salvation, what's God's desire? What, what, what would he like in terms of you having assurance of your salvation? Well, we, we don't have to guess. That's, that's the verses we read at the beginning, right? He, he wrote it out for us in black and white. This is what God wants. Remember 1 John 5, 13, where it says, These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know. Thing. I just tried it again. I think more of you know that. These things I have written to you, right, who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know, know that you have eternal life. God wants you to have a a confident certainty about this issue of salvation. He doesn't want you wandering around through life wondering and doubting. And it always flabbergasts me and kind of ruffles my feathers actually when I hear about churches or, or groups of Christians, organizations that that teach that you can't really ever know if you're going to heaven or not. And I'm thinking to myself, really? Because that's not what God says. He wants us to know. And, and we're going to look at that a little bit more in a few minutes, but, but I want to get back to our main point on, on this section here. Whatever God is doing, whatever He wants, right, Satan is doing just the opposite. He is the one who wants to bring in doubts and fears into your life. Clear back in the, when I was going through college, I had to read this this author by the name of Thomas Brooks. He was a pastor way back in the 1600s. And one of his books, he identified some ways that Satan brings doubts into our lives. And one of them uh, that he mentioned was that Satan tries to get you to think more about your sin than you do about the Savior. He wants you to, to focus, to become preoccupied with your sins, your, your sins of the past or, or, or your present temptations and struggles uh, today. He, he knows that if he can get you focused and thinking about them, then you're not going to be thinking about Jesus, who is the finisher and author of salvation and has provided it for you at the cross. In other words, if you're focused on the sickness, you're not going to be looking at the cure. And that's going to lead you to doubt your salvation. Now, we all struggle with sins, right? And when we do, hey, the key is to focus on Jesus, the one who can do something about that sin, not on the struggle or the sin itself. Now, along that same line, Thomas Brooks said, Satan will try to convince you that your battle with sin is the kind of battle that, that only marks an unbelieving hypocrite, okay? I don't know if you've ever had that whispered into your ear by Satan, that you're nothing more than a hypocrite because, uh, you know, Satan wants you to believe that, that no true Christian would really struggle with the same way that you are. And, and therefore, you must not really be saved. Uh, he, he wants you to forget uh, that the, the reality that fighting against sin is, is part of the Christian life. That's part of the Christian experience. You're, you're not alone in your struggles. Whatever sin you might be dealing with, whatever, whatever one might be attacking you, whatever uh, form you, these might take, that is not unique to you. There are many other Christians who struggle in the same way with the same issues and the same thing that you do. You're not alone. That's why we need brothers and sisters who we can open up with and be honest about what's going on in our life. You're not by yourself. Another way he brings doubt into your life is by uh, leading you to to come to some false conclusions or false assumptions based on the the harsh circumstances of your life. As you face uh, trials and difficulties in in, in your journey uh, through this world, Satan's going to start whispering in your ear that hmm, apparently God doesn't really care about your prayers. He's not answering your prayers. He doesn't care about you and He doesn't care about your hopes and your desires and your dreams and, and therefore, uh, you know, as, he, as soon as He can get you thinking that way, then He'll insinuate that, that the reason He doesn't care is, well, you must not really belong to God. You're not really His child. Otherwise He wouldn't treat you so poorly and you wouldn't be having to face and go through all these things. And now all of a sudden you're doubting your salvation again. Never mind the fact that Jesus actually told us that we would face hardships and trials and, and, and tribulations in this life. Never mind the fact that Jesus said that in this world you will have tribulation, right? Uh, we, we need to understand that a trial is not an indication that God has abandoned you or, 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 or is not listening to your prayers. They are a normal part of the Christian life, so if your doubts are based on the circumstances that you're going through, oh, I can't believe God would allow this. I, uh, I, you know, maybe I don't. Maybe I don't really belong to Him. You actually have to turn that around. You know what? You should doubt. You should doubt your doubts. You know, uh, doubt the doubts because here's what God says: You will face hardships. That's that's a truth you can understand, and, and you will go through this. And it actually is an indication and a confirmation that you're on the right path. Now, fourth way that Satan brings doubts is through your emotions. You know, perhaps your your joy in the Lord. Doesn't seem to be as fervent as it, it once was. Or maybe you just don't feel that closeness with, with uh, God or you know, in your relationship with Jesus as you had before. And, and Satan, again, he will use those feelings, those emotions, to s- suggest that maybe the reason you don't feel any intimacy with God is because you were never really saved and uh, you're not part of his family. A- and, you know, you just, oh, yeah, you've gone to church or you had some emotional uh, relationship. Religious experience in the past, but you're not truly uh, a, a Christian, and so those doubts creep in. And, and again, we need to remember, emotions—they are always going to go up and down in this life. And, and here's one thing: you know, m- emotions aren't evil; they're not bad. But but one thing we have to remember is that emotions always, l- or, uh, very frequently, lie to us. Right? Your, your emotions. Will lie to you, and they'll, they'll go up and down, and the reality of your relationship with God is not based on how you feel, but on what He says is true, and, and that's why it's so important for us to know what God said, and, and we'll look at that a little bit more in a minute here. Uh, a, a fifth technique that, that the devil uses to g- is to get you to concentrate on what you don't understand about the Bible right if 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 he can get you to think about all the what ifs and the i don't get that and how does that work out and and uh, you, you get you all tangled up in the, the disputes and the secondary issues uh, and those thorny areas of theology where sincere, true, Bible believing Christians have differed down through the ages. If he can get you to focus on those, he'd get you all discombobulated in those things. Well, then he can start squeezing in doubts about uh, the other areas of the Bible, those those ones that are perfectly clear, the foundational truths of Scripture, such as your salvation. And so obviously an easy way to, to combat that is to, hey, let's, let's major in the majors, right? Uh, it, may, it may be fun to think about and talk about and, and discuss some of these secondary issues and things like that at times, but let's put that in perspective and major on the majors. This is what God has said. That is perfectly clear. Let's just work on, on dealing with those things um, and, and we can let the rest of that uh, come up as it will you know I'm sure there's a lot of other uh, techniques that Satan may use but but those I think are the ones that are, are common methods Satan uses to bring doubts in your life but we've seen God doesn't want us to have to live with those those doubts he wants us to have a confidence and an assurance in this life and and, and, and at the same time, God is gracious, so He's not condemning us as we work through our doubts, and that's an awesome thing, and that's why God gives us the command to have mercy on those who might be doubting. Uh, So along with the suggestions I made as, as we went through there, there's some more things we can do to help combat doubts as they, they come up in our life, especially this doubt in the area of salvation. And, and the one big one, which I said we'd get back to, is make sure we do have a solid understanding about what God does say about salvation. Because, again, that's major in the majors. Let's, let's go back to the verses we started with in First in John. If you kept your thumb there, you can look at them again. The two verses preceding his declaration that, that he wants us to know right? These things, he says these things. The the two verses right before that, he says, and the testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has the life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. Those are the verses before him. Real simple verses, two major points, right? Salvation is found where? In the Son, in Jesus. And he who has the Son has the life. Okay? He's, he's just making it pretty point blank for us there. He's, he's making it real simple and clear. Of course, the flip side of that is he who does not have the Son does not have the life. No matter what religious experiences you've had, no matter what other things you might claim, without Jesus Christ, you do not have that salvation. But but our focus is on salvation. So if you have Jesus, you have salvation. But then a person might say, well, how do I know, though, that if I have Jesus? Well, Jesus himself told us how we can know. John 5, 24. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment but has passed out of death into life. If you believe, if you put your faith in what God has done through Jesus Christ, then you're saved. You have Jesus belief is the foundation. But then you say, well, yeah, but exactly what do I have to believe then? I I mean, I want to make sure. Well, God told us that too because He wants us to be confident. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Right? And, And so believing that Jesus is Lord means knowing that He is the Master. He doesn't share the throne with any other religious figures or ideas or even yourself. He, he is Master and um, it's Him and Him alone and then believing that God raised Him from the dead means believing the work that He did on your half, behalf, that He died for you and was raised to new life and therefore can offer you forgiveness of sins and eternal life. That's that's what you're believing. God, I, I believe that Jesus did that for me. If you believe, then you have Jesus. And here's the truth. You can believe that even in spite of or in the face of some doubts. In the Bible, there was a man who desperately wanted Jesus to heal his son. And Jesus told him, yeah, I can do that if you believe. And and this, this man's immediate cry out was immediately, the boy's father cried out, I do believe, help my unbelief. He believed, but he was still struggling with some doubts. So how did Jesus respond to that? Did he say, well, hey, get back to me someday when you got that all figured out? Jesus responded in compassion and met him exactly where he was in that mixture of belief and doubts and healed his son. And he is going to meet you right where you are if you come honestly to him. You can pray the same prayer that that father did. Jesus, I believe, but help, help my doubts. Help my unbelief. And he's going to be as compassionate towards you. God's not, God's not offended, and not afraid of your doubts. So take them to him. Which brings up another point to keep in mind. Doubts, as I mentioned, are not the same thing as unbelief. None of us has a perfect faith, okay? None of us has a perfect faith. If perfect faith is right up here, all of us are at some level below that, which means there's a gap between where we are and perfect faith. And one author I read this week, uh, I really like the way he put it. He, he, he said um, um, that the gap between where you are and perfect faith is where doubts reside. doesn't mean you don't have faith. It just means your faith is not yet perfected. And, and we all have that gap in our life. But as you honestly look at those doubts, take them to God, compare your doubts to Scripture, and allow Him (laughs) with that prayer, God, I believe, but man, help, help my unbelief, you can actually end up growing deeper and stronger in your faith as you work through those things. Now, I want to make one final quick comment. If you feel like you've been doing all those things, you know, combating those doubts as they come up in those various ways that I've mentioned and, and, and struggles. And you still just have this persistent, nagging feeling of, of doubts in your life, especially about uh, uh, salvation. Use those persistent doubts kind of like a check engine light in your car, right? The check engine light comes on when something's wrong. Uh, unless there's something wrong with the check engine light. But, but, uh, uh, you know, typically that's the idea, you know, that it it comes on when something's wrong. Well, if you've you've done these other things and you're still getting those persistent nagging doubts, there's there's one more thing that you can do. You can use it as a, a check engine light for your life. One reason that we can have persistent nagging doubts is because of unconfessed and undealt with sin in our life. So even in in your doubts, you can say, God, you know, there's a lot of things I don't get and I don't understand, but I do know I want to be right with you. And so I confess this sin. A- a- and I'm turning from it. And and I want to walk faithfully with you. So help me to do that. And while you're at it, God, can can you help me with these doubts? And guess what? That's a prayer that God will answer so that's it that's, that's how I believe we should deal with doubts number one be honest talk about them with mature fellow sisters and brothers in Christ number two know that Satan is going to bombard you with them and know then how to combat each of those different ways he bombards you number three Know what God says. Not your feelings. And number four, use it as an opportunity to check your life and where you're at with His walk. Let's pray. Father God, we know this can be a, a hard thing, a struggle for so many a, of us, and yet, God, You're compassionate, merciful, and graceful. You want us To be able to have that assurance and that confidence. So God, I I pray for anybody here this morning who may be struggling with some doubts right now that you would meet them in their heart, that they would kneel before you with those and be honest in them. God, we, we all wish we had perfect faith, but none of us are there. So God, in that gap, where the doubts can come. You meet us and strengthen us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.